Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. This is episode number 85 of the Lean Blog Podcast for March 15th, 2010. Our guest today is David Meyer, formerly of the Toyota Georgetown plant in Kentucky and the co-author of the books, The Toyota Way Field Book and Toyota Talent. So we're going to be talking today about David's thoughts on some of the current situation with Toyota, the problems, and the reaction to those problems by the general public and the media, and maybe frame some different ways of asking questions and looking at a scenario like this. Well, I'm very happy to welcome back a returning guest and a good friend of the Lean Blog podcast, David Meyer. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mark. Good to be here again. Well, it's been a while since we've talked on the podcast here, so I was wondering if you could give kind of a quick background of uh, your experiences with Toyota and what you're doing today. Okay, sure. I I was fortunate to start with the Georgetown, Kentucky plant in 1987, uh, early on, and go through the entire process there of starting up that facility and working with Toyota. And, and uh, then since, since 1997, have been working with other organizations and in their efforts to become lean, uh, both in the U.S. and, and uh, internationally now. And so even though you're not you know, there on the inside uh, with Toyota directly anymore, I, mean, I think you've got an interesting perspective. I'm curious to hear, and, and for the listeners, just generally what your thoughts and, and, and perspectives are on the recent uh, problems that Toyota has had, uh, you know, what kind of questions that you think uh, people should be asking, how, you know, what, what might be a good, useful way of looking at this situation. What, what are your thoughts here? Sure. Yeah, well, first, first thing I have to say is that uh, in terms of problem solving, and clearly Toyota has a problem right now, not really clear what the causes of the problem are, but we, we can surely say that there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that um, you know, all of us are prone to bias, and that's one of the hindrances of, of good problem solving is is really working through bias and working on on fact. And so, uh, I I try very hard in this case to set aside my own personal bias about Toyota from my experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, as a former insider, I understand, at least up and through 1997, that safety and quality were always very, very important issues, and I think that would still be true today. Uh, we, I, I, In comparison to other companies I've seen since then, uh, we spent an inordinate amount of time and effort to uh, produce high-quality and safe products. So that's just my opinion as an insider, and I think the the values of the company clearly uh, that Toyota has demonstrated uh, their um, willingness to follow their values, you know, stop and fix once they find a problem. So they shut down the assembly plants, um, customer first, and so on. I think that it's I think it's easy for, for folks on the outside to sort of speculate and to mm-hmm. look for, you know, the kind of the smoking gun in the situation and the reality of, of the facts of the situation are, are quite different, I think. 
Um, you know, from my experience on the inside, one of the challenges is that that information coming from customers through, uh, for example, dealers or through the NTH, NTHSB, National, yeah, yeah, um, right. <laughs> um, you know, through those through those organizations, that the information tends to get, uh, um, I don't know, either damaged in some way it's it's uh not always accurate it's unclear uh it gets uh, you know classified in strange ways i mean we would get parts back that you know clearly had been in some kind of auto accident and they would you know state that it was a, a factory defect kind of thing and so i can imagine it's really difficult for toyota at this time to to sort through the issues and try to understand the actual Facts, and yeah, it seems like there's got to be a lot of complexity involved. Uh, like you said, they shut the factory down. Uh, people have referred that to sort of a corporate equivalent of pulling the andon cord, if you right. will. But you know, it seems like there's got to be a balance between how quickly do you react based on a first report of something, or you know, there, there, there's some. Who are saying that? Yeah, they, they shut down the factories. There, there are some who are critical that maybe they didn't act quickly enough. Yeah, I think that's that's the only question that that could be debated, and that's where I don't have have facts. I think from what I've seen and and read, and what I know is that again, the information sometimes as it comes through is sketchy, and. If, if Toyota has a downside, one of them would be that they like to work with facts. You know, the, the Genshi Genbutsu says, go and see for yourself, gather facts. Um, and in light of that, to, you know, if you look at the numbers and you say, well, there's uh, maybe, maybe now, maybe now there's a couple of hundred instances uh, reported out of, X million vehicles, and to actually go into the field and um, you know find facts and duplicate the situation that occurred uh, is extremely challenging. And to to you know to pull the Anton cord at Toyota, what what we need is we need a reference a standard to say that there's an abnormality, and when you discover an abnormality, then you pull the cord. So that's. Toyota's value says when you find a problem, stop and fix the problem. And so the the question is, when does it become a problem? You know, what point do you recognize that and acknowledge that, and then and then do that? Mm-hmm. So one thing, maybe we can go back and touch on again. You said a couple of minutes ago that, especially when you worked on the factory floor, that there was such a, a high focus on quality and safety compared to other companies that you've seen. And it, it seems in, in this whole Toyota situation, I haven't heard accusations that these are manufacturing defects. It seems that there are product design issues, that there may be some you know, uh, customer response issues. But that piece in the middle, the factory, seems to um, have, have been free of um, allegations of, of problems. But can you elaborate a little bit more You know, there in the factory um, how that safety and quality focus translated into management priorities or, or daily activities from your experience? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, the first thing 
to say is that in terms of the in terms of the daily priorities and choices, uh, safety and quality were never uh, sacrificed for any other gains. In other words, we wouldn't do you know kaizen and then have a, a reduction of the quality. So that you know that would just go against the grain of kaizen and. Um, you know the the issue is that that um, out in the out in the field where these things are happening, you know, people are saying, "Well, Toyota grew too fast." They put an emphasis on growth, and that has created this this these these problems. You know, the four basic categories: either the well, three categories. Sticky accelerators. One is floor mats, and the other is the, this nylon. Um, you know, uh, swelling issue perhaps. And, and then there's a steering thing that's still unclear. And then there's the Prius brake issue. There's some software issues potentially. Yeah. That as a causal factor, potentially software. So still unclear uh, whether that's the case or not. For me, I don't know. I don't have the facts again. Um, and so to me, one would have to make the logical assumption that if, if growth, if excessive growth were a causal factor, we would see a more widespread equality issues. In other words, there would be issues in workmanship, in fit and finish, and squeaks and rattles. You know, a lot of those things that would be related to, uh, you know, taking on too much too quickly. Now. At the same time, I could say that there there is a possible correlation between growth and the uh, you know reduction in time to design new vehicles and the ability to support that process. And in other words, is it possible that that's that there's a linkage there? And and I would have to say yes, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Is it the fact? I, I don't know. Is it is it a contributing factor? I would say yes. It's definitely a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, the, the issues one could say with the steering issue on the Corollas, for instance. It, you know, there's a lot of factors that affect steering: tire pressure, alignment. Um, you know, those factors all affect steering. Right. So to to say it's the steering mechanism. Um, again, one would have to get the steering mechanism, kind of take it apart and, and try to find out what the actual cause is. So uh, maybe we delve a little bit more into you know, we talk about facts versus possibilities. And uh, you know, the comments by Toyota's CEO, uh, Mr. Toyota, um, his testimony to Congress where you know, it was reported that, uh, well, you know, Toyota's CEO admits that focus had become on the, the focus had become growth instead of the traditional focus on safety and quality. And, and I know you have some thoughts on w- the way that was reported, right? Right. I, and again, this is just my opinion here. I, I haven't talked to Mr. Toyota, but uh, right. I, I think, you know, I, I think that when, um, uh, if, if I could use the analogy, when the, when the enemies circled around you, you, you sort of, have to come up with a method to placate. And I think that's what I heard in there was he said, uh, his quote was, I fear 
that we may have, meaning it's not a fact, that it's a possibility, and that he's acknowledging that possibility at the same time uh, not declaring it to be a fact. And I think that, that you know, my opinion was when you know, the uh, congressional hearings were, they were definitely looking to uh, find the faulty, uh, guilty party that he just, that that was a simple way to sort of acknowledge that and, and to um, say, yes, you know, perhaps we have uh, lost sight of some of the things that we hold uh, of value. So but I, again, I don't think it's a. Fa- I don't think it's a, an absolute fact. Well, it's it's interesting that, and I think I, I missed the subtlety um, there of uh, you're saying if, if Mr. Toyota was talking about well, it could be, and it might have been. The media seemed to report it as, as fact, and and maybe that's because the comments support the narrative that, uh, that sure. they were looking to put in place, and you know, I think we're all some extent victim of, uh, you know, what you might call, uh, you know, confirmation bias of, of looking, right. looking mm-hmm. for things that yeah. uh, support what you believe. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, the lean methodology, so do I tend to, uh, to look for uh, and talk about things that support the fact that lean works? Well, of course, but, uh, you know, I think we, we all take care to make sure that confirmation bias doesn't become a blind spot. Right. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was just thinking. That I refer to it as expectation bias, but uh, sure. right. essentially the same thing, and that we're looking and expecting for him to acknowledge that, and certainly one could say, oh, yes, he did. Uh, but he, he said, again, to read the exact words, he said, I fear we may have lost sight you know, that growth may have caused us to lose sight of. And so when you look at that, I fear, he didn't say, uh, I know. He didn't say, we did. Uh, those would be more statements of fact, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, uh, everybody wanted to hear, oh, yes, Mr. Toyota agreed that they uh, put growth in front of safety. But that's not what he said at all. Well, and there's a perception, and, and here, here's a first on the podcast, actually. I had gone out to Twitter and, and mentioned that I was going to be interviewing you. Did anyone have any questions? So this is the first time I've had a question pop up. Okay, cool. Basically, during an interview, it comes from uh, at AOL Autos. Um, and I think you've addressed some of this, but you know, here's the question and the perception out there. It says, when, when does David think the, quote, tipping point Occurred. Was there a time when Toyota went from quality to quantity? So I, I think you've already touched on that, but um, if you could maybe address that I, question. I, well, I think that um, one of the things I, I just read some uh, some information from my co-author Jeff Liker this morning, and um, you know we have to we'd have to go way back way back to when I joined Toyota in 1987. In the very beginning, they they told us, look. The plan here is for you guys in America to be self-sufficient. This is going to be an American plant run by Americans. They told us at that time that there would never be more than 2% Japanese management involved in the uh, you know, daily operations. Mm-hmm. And, I th- and I think actually the fact is it's less than 2% at, at this time. And I think that uh, when when they came out with their vision for 2010, and they stated, uh, you know, 15% market share is kind of a goal. Uh, 
there, there was a, a behind-the-scenes understanding that it was intended to drive the self-sufficiency of the uh, Americans in, you know, in the U.S. running the trade operations to become, uh, you know, self-sufficient and to to do things. And so they've, you know, years ago, uh, as far as a decade ago or more, Toyota understood that the constraint to growth, as always, is the development of people. And, you know, has, has been working on and implementing strategies for, you know, further development of, of people. So, for example, all the executive leadership in the United States has gone back through and been required to do what they're calling Toyota business practice, which is basically problem solving. And they all have to uh, do an A3 on a particular problem and take it in front of a panel. And, uh, you know, a, a fair percentage of the guys who are executives fail the panel first go round and have to go back and work at it some more. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, one could argue the point and say, well, Toyota put growth in front of quality or something and there was a tipping point. And I would say, no, what I recall back in the, uh, in the uh, early 90s when we would have our uh, you know, town hall meetings and review information and so forth, there was never a comment about growth. We never talked about becoming number one, but we would always look at a graph, a chart that showed Toyota sales, Ford, GM, Chrysler, and, you know, anybody that looked at the graph could see the trajectories and and pretty well predict when Toyota was going to cross Ford and Chrysler and GM, right? I mean, it... Mm -hmm. We didn't put it up there and say, hey, look, our goal is to be better than GM. They put it up and they'd say, if we continue on this path, here's what's likely to happen. So that sounds different than the portrayal of it became number one or bust, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, I, I think that portrayal is is skewed. I, I don't think that, from my experience, I don't think that um, Toyota ever put out a mission anywhere that said we, we have to become number one. Um, I think they understood that it was inevitable. I think from what I've seen and you read uh, interviews with Watanabe or, or some of the former Akuda, for, former uh, chairman, they would always talk about their fear of what would happen if they became number one. You know, the big company disease, the complacency, the arrogance, um, so they do understand that dynamic that that along with success comes a tendency for complacency and and perhaps arrogance and and then perhaps some of the situations like they're encountering right now. Um, now again, from from a problem solving standpoint, looking at it in terms of cause and effect um, versus decision and action. So in other words. Does one lead to another? Does one understand that uh, success can lead to complacency and, and that can lead to problems? Yes. Was it an active decision from Toyota's standpoint to say, um, you know, forget everything else, we will be number one? Uh, I would say no. Yeah. 
So you know, it, again, that, that that's the danger of of a bias or an assumption is one might look at it and say, well, the outcome is that Toyota has a problem. Therefore, it must have been this causal factor. You see, yeah. And the fact is that that's not the case. The causal factors, as you indicated earlier, you know, could be a, a failure in the factory where the products were made. It could be a failure of the driver. It could be you know, who knows whether these cars were taken to some shade tree mechanic and parts were modified. Uh, you know, the, the Lexus, the famous Lexus with the accident apparently had some aftermarket mats installed, you know, where people are doing other things. Um, I know my wife likes to drive her car and she's sometimes got clutter on the floor and I tell her, you know, you've got to get that out of there. Uh, you know, who knows? The point is there's so many possible factors that to to try to identify one and say, oh yes, growth is what it was, uh, I think is short sighted. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you, David. Uh, again, our guest, David Meyer, um, author of some outstanding books, including uh, the Toyota Way Field Book, um, Toyota Talent. Um, if you can remind the listeners of your website, if they want to uh, to be able to find you online. Sure, it's just uh, leanassociates.com. Or you can just look. Look for those books on uh, Google, and you'll find it. Yeah, is there a new project, uh, a new one in the works by chance? Uh, actually, there was. I, I, I've kind of taken a little bit of a, a hiatus on that for for some uh, personal reasons and so forth, and also the the um, <laughs> the struggle with really. I'm just kind of coming to the point where I'm um, really trying to understand some of the uh, more subtle. Things that Toyota does, and I'm, and I'm um, just taking some time, uh, more time, I think, to reflect on those, and perhaps have a better understanding of those before I put it in, put it in writing. So, always thinking on on this uh, process and thinking about how we can, you know, improve the success rate of organizations uh, and really help with the um, progress of of lean in general. Okay. Well, good luck with the project and we'll, we'll stay tuned for that. And I want to thank you again for taking time out to share your thoughts and opinions here on the podcast. Sure. Always glad to help. Thanks for listening. This has been the lean blog podcast for lean news and commentary updated daily. Visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.